0: disenfranchised from everything
1: well i fall up and i fall down An american loser
0: the day i was
2: born well the jackhammer seemed to have stopped so we're gonna go ahead and resume part two of horace greeley here on american loser it's the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place my name is kp burke i'm your host i'm a stand-up comic from the great state of new jersey and I enjoy history, as does my Delph of a dad. How are you, sir? Oh, we're doing great, Kevin. I kind of missed that ha- that jackhammering going on. Well, Over there ahead. was the jackhammer, then there was the, the screaming people in the background. I mean, we had some good feedback. Yeah, the ambiance of the whole place. That's a- <laughs> oh, my
0: God.
2: But we do have one very familiar voice in the, the building with us again. All right, What's he's up? here now.
0: What's up? What's up? It's the big kahuna. You guys know those
2: dulcet tones. It's the big kahuna behind the ones and twos, folks. So, I'll tell you what, Kahuna's. you were running around like a madman. You're pulling off all sorts of oh. miracles. You were helping us record our show. You were making Ken Krantz interesting. You were doing everything possible. <laughs> a miracle um, worker. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Actually, it was so great. Um, Ken's a buddy of mine, a really great stand-up comic. His show, Isle of Rock and Roll, was recording in the other studio. And he had a couple of big guests on there. One of them was uh, the drummer from Def Leppard. And uh, Ken's been a big rock fan his whole life, so it was so fun to watch him live a childhood dream and then moon him while he was doing that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, by the way, he didn't know that was you at first.
2: Did I tell you that part? People show me their ass all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But anyway, that one's a good one here. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We picked out a true icon of American losing, if you will, and uh, we did a great job with it. Now, Kahuna, we were talking about this guy, Horace Greeley. You would know him maybe as the the namesake of Hoggish Greeley from Captain Planet? hmm Yes. Okay. So when you get a name like that, you know that you're definitely you – know you you're not very well thought of in some no, circles. No, 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 no. So if you can, because I can see you already bringing up the Google here. Go ahead and Google Horace Greeley's neckbeard. Well, I'm going to do
0: that if I can find my keyboard.
2: No problem. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. Well, Horace Greeley has a hilarious, uh, very. I'll tell you what. What a bright guy he is. From what we covered, Dad, he's clearly an intelligent man. Yeah. He came from very humble beginnings. Very highly intelligent. He's now a successful newspaper man. He's very much involved in politics. Um, but he's got a problem. Even the people that he gets along with, he's clashing with all the time. Where he's like, uh, "Well, me and this Lincoln fellow, we seem to you know be on the same page." But holy uh, neck! Yeah, he just pulled. Yep. <laughs> There's a photo. Yeah, that's not a fur collar he's wearing. I think it's a scarf, but no. (laughs) Can you
0: imagine seeing a dude like that walk up from a distance and you're like, that's a really peculiar looking scarf. Oh, no.
2: It's so gross. I like that you've brought turtlenecks back in style, sir. Huh? What do you mean? (laughs) And the worst part is this. Uh, the worst neck beard possible is one where the, the face is clean shaven and just the neck beard is Oh, clean. my God. It's pretty bad.
0: <laughs> this particular photo is pretty bad. It's leaning over his collar.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's what uh, – I'll say this. It's what the French would call fucking gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh Greeley's a fascinating <laughs> guy. And we did an excellent job, too, on part one of this uh, episode here. So, Dad, I believe, I want to say – that um, although Greeley is definitely influenced oh. with um, a lot of things going on in politics and stuff like that, specifically out of New York, he owns a paper called the New York Tribune. He's able to put out articles that can shape opinions. You know, He's, oh, kind yeah. of he's first, a mover and shaker. He's not the first influencer, but he's definitely an early influencer. So of Horace Greeley, they he was so impactful with some of the things he was able to put out that they referred to him as Uncle Horace or the Gospel According to St. Horace. Right. So he
1: – Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were following his uh, his – uh, ideas or reading about him and he had a very successful newspaper came up you know uh, a, a, up from the bootstraps kind of a guy made his way into New York City to make his way from uh, the wild woods of uh, New Hampshire and uh, now he's in New York and he starts working for various printers and uh, gets involved with Whig politics which was the major political party and one of early, the major yeah parties an early precursor
2: time. to what's going to then become uh, Lincoln's Republican Party and we always say this on the show too we're going to say these terms they don't mean what they mean okay you want to talk about gender being fluid politics is fluid right? <laughs> yeah. extremely fluid it's going to change to, to a even, moment's notice to
0: put it in a very loose sense it's like everything is kind of backwards as of now like Republicans then were Democrats now It's, uh, it's you always like,
2: say that but it's always it's bizarro land They're no it is bizarre it's, <laughs> it's
0: still it's still there's still more specifics to that but like still that's yeah it's a crazy, crazy time.
2: So here's – I'll tell you what. This one was a great quote too. So the beef that he had with Lincoln that's very interesting is that um, he was telling Lincoln, he goes, oh, so Horace Greeley's war was for um, abolition. He wanted slavery ended. Lincoln's war was, listen, I got to preserve the union first. We can figure out what to do with the country after the fact. But we have to have a country to do it with. Yeah. So, and,
1: the, and the election of 1860 was the, was the huge one. That was a – a turning point in American history and uh, really world history uh, with with what happened after the events of uh, the election of 1860, where Mr. Lincoln is now in office, and that's when things really that that's when the proverbial shit hit the fan. Then
2: an actor slash activist uh, gets involved in politics, <laughs> <laughs> named John Wilkes Booth.
1: Now that's a couple of years later, but. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, because I believe that's where we left off is that unfortunately, um, we are going to, as we said, lose reception. There's plenty on this story. You get Andrew Johnson for the lose reception here. Uh, Horace will initially support Johnson, but after seeing how lenient Johnson is uh, being on the South after you know – we're trying to – you're trying to build bridges here. You mm-hmm. want to heal the nation if you can, right? But he also goes, he's – come on. These guys were fucking traitors, man. What are you – what are we giving them the the slap on the wrist for? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing, this is where – if you want to talk about stuff that uh, uh, the idea of institutional racism coming in, this is definitely where it is because um the South was able to start electing their own leaders again and they were intentionally um, uh, leapfrogging people that were elected that could have been moderates or or considered uh you know uh, actually a lot of the early black um office holders were Republicans at the time and they got pretty much forced out of the party by this weird group called the Lily whites within the Republican Party so it's an intense, yeah, weird story.
1: Right there's a whole there's a whole mishmash. There there wasn't you really couldn't put a a pinpoint on uh, on anything um, as far as uh, titles. Whether you're a, a Whig, a Democrat, a Southern Democrat, a Northern Democrat, a Republican, a, uh, a radical Republican. And The term Dixiecrat hasn't even uh, the, come out they, yet. They the didn't Dixi- want to
0: label their relationships either. Holy <laughs> shit, <laughs> the
1: Dixiecrats! And even I'm I mean, a Republican with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Horace Greeley, I mean, even he was oscillating a little bit. At first, Greeley favored uh, avoiding war, um, the Civil War, by allowing the Southern states to secede. You want to secede? Go. You know, get 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 to freak out. Like uh, your mom it, used to tell me, if you find a better deal, Kevin, go. for to- <laughs> <laughs> There you go. You get something better. Go for it. We're not going to hold you back. And then later on, uh, once. Uh, the shooting started. Then, then Greeley and his paper, um, the Tribune, is now raising the battle cry "On to Richmond," which was a famous uh, battle cry for the for the North. Right at the at the beginning, that "On to Richmond," we're going to capture Richmond. Richmond and end this whole thing. And then later in the war, now Greeley is back to being a proponent for a negotiated settlement that like, maybe we can just negotiate a peace. There's enough killing going on. You got to remember, this guy's a pacifist to, uh, as well. I mean, he's he's all kinds of isms, but- Every ism under the sun, they said <laughs> yeah. that was a great quote about him. Um, uh, and then um, I think an, a game changer, again, was when now the the Civil War is just about over. Lee has already surrendered at Appomattox. That wasn't the end of the Civil War, but things were were clearly Palmito not going Ranch. well. Huh? Battle of Palmito Ranch. I yeah, that and was then, the last. Uh, that, that's a good uh, trivia question for you people at home. <laughs> but um, you know, Lee had already surrendered at Appomattox. There was still some other Southern armies that were still in in the field, but uh, um, it was it was certainly winding down, and then. Uh, John Wilkes Booth loses reception, assassinates um, Lincoln, and I mean that's a that's a whole thing. Now, now, forget bygones be bygones, and let's heal the nation. Now, people are we we have to punish these these freaking Southerners for what they did and how many people die because you of the civil war. You are seeing
2: domestic terror take place in the South around this time. For I make no mistake about it. Um, like you said, Dad, this does give us President Andrew Johnson now, Lose Reception. You want to know more about him? Also a two-parter episode, also because of a weird scheduling error on our part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, It's all about time slots. Oh, man. Horace initially, like I said, supports him, but then he decides like, listen, what you're allowing the South to do is what they do is they create what we would now refer to as the Jim Crow era. That, that that's happening on Johnson's watch because he goes, oh, I don't really know. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of from the South myself. You want to learn more about him? Two-part episode really did a great job on that one. The Tribune will actually support Johnson's impeachment because, trivia fact, the first president to ever be impeached is Andrew Johnson. So um, – Yeah, tri- we're, in,
1: we're in the height of Reconstruction, but we're also in the height of uh, all the Jim Crow laws that uh, we're going to uh, win back control. um white Southern control through you know, <laughs> various means by enacting state legislation that's just going to take away everybody's rights again. So we're right back to where we were. You want to hear a great quote too, by the way, from Horace Greeley about
2: um, Andrew Johnson? You want to talk about okay, – so it's the power of freedom of speech in this country is the best, okay? I like the idea that no matter who the president is, you can call him a fucking asshole and they can't throw you in jail, right? Right. That's a pretty wonderful thing that we have. And it's pretty unique too. The more you hear about stuff going on in other countries, yeah, pretty unique that we have that right over here. Um, in the New York Tribune, Horace Greeley's paper, he will openly state, he refers to Andrew Johnson as the aching tooth in the national jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's get this thing out of here, all right? right? He's not doing any good for
1: anybody. I think that it was kind of polite saying the aching tooth rather than just the ass Oh, pain. there's a little
2: Shakespeare. <laughs> Did you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but Greeley will eventually throw his support behind 1868's Republican candidate for president. You want to take a wild guess, Cahoons? No. He's, he's pretty great. He's got an outstanding Got to know your beard. presidents,
1: Cahoons. You've got Lincoln, Johnson, and then who's next?
0: Lincoln, Johnson.
2: I'll tell you what, he was a general in the Civil War. He might have... uh, Obviously, you know he fought for the Union, but uh, (laughs) he's got one of the best (laughs) names ever. He's iconic. Oh, crap. Um, Shoot. And he might be buried in Grant's tomb,
1: but I'm not sure.
2: Oh, yeah. He is buried in Grant's tomb. That's true.
0: Ulysses.
2: (laughs) Ulysses. Oh, my God. All right. I have to just throw Kerry under the bus one time. Kerry didn't know who was buried in Grant's tomb for a while. And then one time, my father even conned my poor sister, who I love to death. Um, You said... Kerry, what color was George Washington's white horse? And Carrie goes, huh? <laughs> um, Trick question. You know, we talked about this. She did the thing like when a kid doesn't study for an exam. Well, you know, it's a lot like we talked about earlier. Previous-
0: <laughs> just keeps adding words to the paper just to make it a little bit longer.
2: <laughs> I, I could insult that, but that's also given me three years of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But was it Ulysses?
2: It was it Ulysses S. Grant, correct. And uh, during the Grant years, uh, pretty cool little side note here. Um, a writer is taken on board the Tribune, guy who's writing some pretty cool stuff. Um, no one's going to get it, but uh, – I'll tell you what. I know Kahuna will probably know this. If I say the guy's real name, you might know who it is. The real name? A writer gets hired the same way you are the big Kahuna and everyone knows you as the big Kahuna in my dumb universe I've created here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all know your real name, right? Yeah. So this guy is writing under his more famous name, but uh, his the guy who's on the payroll his is pen name. Samuel Clemens. Oh, wait. What's his – what um... Mark Crap. Twain, son of a bitch, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mark He Twain. hires Mark Twain. Mark Twain becomes a contributing writer for the New York Tribune during the grant presidency years. Wow. So that's another one. A throwback to the earlier episodes is that uh, Thoreau and all these other guys, like brilliant people. Absolutely. The Tribune has to be collecting some of the best minds to put out the best articles. The Tribune is a bit of a thinking man's paper. And we also covered this too, if you didn't listen to the first episode. One of my favorite things we uncovered with this is that his original partner for the Tribune winds up 10 years afterwards after starting as the, the chief assistant for Horace Greeley's Tribune starts the New York Times, which is still in syndication and, and publication to this day. So yeah. I said syndication like it's a TV show, but they do kind of just – uh they do just kind of have a recycling news thing. Ooh. I mean it's
0: ac- it's kind of accurate, so you can – you, I'd say you could keep the term.
2: I don't know. There's a paper from the 80s and a paper from today that says uh, unrest in the Middle East. So. Yeah.
1: Old Horace Greeley, though, I mean, he was a, a well-rounded guy for sure. And as an editor, he promoted the work of, uh, as you said, Kev Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, he was Henry David Thoreau's agent and published a draft of Walden in, in the Tribune. So he's he's gotten, you know, a lot of his friends and hires uh, out there. He also was one of the first to hire a feminist uh, transcendentalist, Margaret Fuller, as a book editor and a, f- one of the first foreign correspondents. And uh, He, he created also, the idea of a DC correspondent too. Right. Which is important to know. To have somebody uh, have a reporter in Washington at all times, even though the paper is a New York paper, it's being widely distributed throughout, um, throughout all the states. Uh, that's why he, one of the reasons why he's so hated in the South is because they're reading about this this, uh-huh. this New York newspaper, and uh, he was also uh, he credited... is the liberal media of the day, <laughs> yeah. right? He's uh, he's loaning money to uh, Edgar Allan Poe, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of people. Hang that... on, say that part again. Yeah, yeah, he also. He was also uh, loaning money to uh, Edgar Allan Poe to help him along with hey, hey, some hey, of his troubles. Don't you spend this on opium, you hear? <laughs> yeah. right. yeah, you no, write I a poem about a bird. Well, that's another loser reception. I mean, uh, I think Edgar Allan got a, a bad rap by his obituary. Maybe that was, our third or fourth episode we yeah, ever did. Right. So. I mean, w- people have come to think of Edgar Allan Poe as a heroin addict, but- uh, That's due to the obituary that was written by Mm -hmm. his lifelong nemesis. So, you know, uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's like when I die and Ken Krantz writes my epitaph. Oh, God, that's going to be ugly. (laughs) Uh,
2: Now, the Grant presidency is a wild and underreported one. The History Channel really did something amazing with him. I thought that was great. They did that whole special on the Grant presidency. But um, corruption, very, very, very obvious in D.C. at this time. Um, so despite a good relationship with President Grant, who he himself was not corrupt, his administration very much so, the, I can't prove this because I, I read something that says it's absolutely true, and I read something that says actually that that's bullshit, but it's such a good story, I want to tell it. Um, Grant would go for a cigar and a, a cognac at this one hotel in the lobby of the hotel, and people who wanted to get some face time with the president after hours said – well, I know he goes for a cigar and a cognac over here at this one lobby. So I'm gonna go hang out in the lobby and hope to bump into the president. And then maybe I'll get a word in with him and maybe he can help me out with my special interest group. And that's where the term lobbyist comes from.
0: Really?
1: That that's, hanging, hanging out in the lobby of the, yeah, of the DC hotel.
2: I've read oh. something where they said, no, not at all. And then I've read something else where like, yeah, that's absolutely what happened. So I don't know. Facebook, please fact check my life and tell me what it <laughs> <Really>? is. <laughs> there, you go. But, there you go. Um grilly is gonna to start to realize that um He's hearing rumblings that he might be getting named to a higher political office himself. Now, keep in mind he did work as a uh, – I believe was a congressman uh, early on in life. Did not get much done in office but definitely realized that he could shape politics more than policy. So again, he's starting to think, well, well maybe I'm getting back into office now. Maybe I've done enough here. Maybe I've learned enough. I'm smarter the second go around. Greeley wanted to run as a Republican if he was going to run for president since his career and his paper are both deeply deeply based within party lines of the republican party at the time but there's this new party coming out called the liberal republicans like we were saying earlier kahuna you know how everything's going to divide by zero yeah <laughs> that's why you can't cuz I, I always try to find a base it's like um it's like an inception when you spin the top and you want to make sure if the if the you know the top is still going or whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. So it's still a dream. But if it falls, I know it's reality. <laughs> you don't have that with the way American politics works. Yeah. Every 30 years, inside out is opposite and upside right, down. Upside and boom. down.
1: <laughs> but oh these God, liberal Republicans,
2: they're going to nominate Horace Greeley as their candidate for president. And at that summer's Democratic National Convention, the Democrats at the time are going to face a very weird choice: Do we nominate Horace Greeley, the guy we've hated? For like the last 30 years, who's been the biggest dick, he, his paper just destroys us all the time. Nobody likes this guy, but he's popular, and he could potentially win, Or do we run somebody else and face defeat again? Because at this point, you know grant grant's in power, and it's very clear that the you know, the direction of the nation is changing. But uh, they have no choice. They nominate Horace Greeley and old Horace. he'll actually resign from the Tribune for his campaign, and he runs on a few solid policies. This is – you know you want to talk about,
1: again, forces. Yeah, these, these, the plat- these are the planks of his political platform. Right. And relatively
2: consistent throughout his life here, although that's what comes under fire, much scrutiny here. Um, he wants equal rights for African-Americans, right? He also wants to end the military occupation of the South by federal troops. Again, we're in the middle of Reconstruction here. To me, the most important time in American history. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then finally, he also has land reform. So remember, he's got this old idea because Horace Greeley, if you didn't hear the first episode, he is kind of attributed to the quote of go West, young man. That's how you can go do these things. You want to get out there? You're uh, a very poor person living on a a tenement or something like that in New York City. You know, there's this uh, Kentucky I keep hearing about (laughs) you can go out to. And I bet you there's some shit going on out there. The other side
1: of the Mississippi, I mean, we have these vast tracts of land that's owned by the federal government you have all these uh, uh immigrant wave coming over um you know you're poor you're tired you're um you're immigrant you're hungry, masses you're yeah, yeah. Um, although that hasn't been built yet but uh, anyhow we uh <laughs> we've got all of those all these people coming over and clamoring for a, a new and better life and uh horace greeley was one of the first to really uh, kick that whole idea up up that uh hey how about the federal government sell you the money on the uh, land on the cheap and then you go develop it you know 40 acres and a mule kind of a thing that's a that's a whole different kind of a that's, concept yeah. you
2: know if you build it they will come that's right. kind of the idea here and uh, the more that we can have people out there the more we can then enforce it, it, it's all a chess game you know it's a beautiful thing here but this is how horace Greeley is trying to help the little guy so there's a lot going on over there now the question is this If this guy who's so deeply embedded in Republican politics and Republican ideas at the time is now running as a Democrat, again, it's that divide by zero politics thing. How will the Republicans attack the former stalwart of their party and a major media figure like Horace Greeley? Enter Thomas Nast, a cartoonist. That's right, a cartoonist, very, very famous cartoonist. For another one of the New York newspapers. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, he's taken down some people in the past because he's pretty good at these political cartoons. Cahoon's is pulling up a couple of them right now. I can see one this, uh, on the screen right there. This is fucking great. Oh, yeah. So it's a picture of uh, a very unflattering picture of old neckbeard Horace. He looks like a hunchback, a little bit of a Quasimodo thing going on there. A little bit. And it's him making edits to my own words and deeds because they're trying to say like, oh, we can't trust Horace Greeley. He's just going to make up. He's going to change his opinions on this. He's a flip-flopper, you know? And it's, um, it's pretty funny because Thomas Nast is also the guy who most infamously made a cartoon called Who Stole the People's Money? Kahuna, just for your own edification, my Who's, brother.
0: Who Stole the People's
2: Money? Who Stole the People's Money? If you could bring that one up here real quick, and I'll move on to the next point. Um, but again, he's able to show uh, Horace in this really controversial light. And uh, Kahuna is bringing it up now. And here we are. Who stole the people's money is a picture of – it's all these people in a circle. (laughs) They're they're all pointing to the person next to them and it says, who stole the people's money? Oh, well, that guy did. I didn't do anything bad. Twas him is the quote at the bottom over here. And my favorite part is, Kahuna, you see the guy, the big, big fat guy with the big beard? Yeah. Want to guess who that is? Holy crap. Boss Tweed, Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall.
0: (laughs) That, no fucking way. So
2: that epic three-parter we did is where we uh, really got to appreciate Thomas Nast and his ability to take down or help to um, at least put a stranglehold on the Tammany Hall political machine at the time. So it's pretty great here. And now that same Thomas Nast, he's coming after Horace Greeley. And unfortunately, it's working out because a couple of the other ones that he comes up with is um, they paint him as a flip-flopper. They'll also show him siding with the KKK. Which is crazy because a guy is running on the politics of equal rights for African-Americans. Like, oh, but he's a sympathizer with the KKK because he wanted to pull the troops out of um, the South, the federal troops that were kind of doing a martial law thing down there. Like, well, if you pull them out, it's just going to be the KKK taking over down there.
1: The the federal troops were the only defense mechanism that they had against uh, the – Village, vigilante justice or And what? that's what was killing Injustice. Grant. They didn't yeah. think
2: Grant was going to be able to pull off a re-election because he was getting so unpopular by having the troops respond to these threats from this emerging thing called the KKK down there. So Horace is a, a wild, wild dude here. Um, but he's definitely not the guy that they're painting him to be by these Thomas Nass cartoons. So there's even one of, uh, uh, one of him giving bail money to Jefferson Davis. And there's also a cartoon of him shaking hands
1: with John Wilkes Booth.
0: <laughs> oh, good
1: who are yeah. probably the most um, hated people of all time. And Jefferson Davis, you know, how many, uh, how many people died because of Jefferson Davis' presidency of the Confederacy? Yep. Uh, you know, he's not a popular guy, uh, at least in the North. There's that great
2: um, Simpsons thing they did when they were going to watch a uh, – it was a pro-creationism video that they had. And it was um, – I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Um, who's the guy that – the Theory of Evolution? I can't believe I'm blanking right now. Darwin. Oh, okay. Darwin's theory. So they they show oh, here's Charles Darwin, and they said, uh, "And Charles Darwin, he's a little bit of a crazy person," you know, to, for the pro creationism video that the, the Christians are making uh, Lisa Simpson watch. And then uh, they said, "That's Charles Darwin. He was one of the most brilliant minds of you know uh, our time." And then uh, Ralph Wickham goes, "Then why is he making out with Satan?" And you <laughs> come back to the video, and it's Darwin making out with the devil. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: That's an image, though, right? But they yeah, they painted right. a similar one right. for Horace. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh my God, and Mac, Mac Groening, you evil genius!
1: He really is. Uh... Now,
2: a uh, Union Pacific Railroad scandal is going to break out around this time frame. That um, I don't want to say. There's a lot of things that get ignored in the media sometimes, depending on uh, you know who it benefits, whether or not they should report on the story. Uh, now, this scandal should have destroyed. The Grant team for this re-election for Ulysses S. Grant, um, but Horace found himself in a weird spot because there was misappropriation of funds by the Union Pacific Railroad uh, in favor of Grant. Right, I think it was a couple of cabinet members of his that were more specifically involved.
1: Yeah, it wasn't so much Grant, but the, the people that was within his within his cabinet that uh, right were really dirty.
2: So he has the opportunity now. Horace Greeley is like, "Well, we got the red flag here. All right, this is the smoking gun. We're going to take him to town." And then they said, well, Horace, um, you actually own significant amounts of shares in this company, so it's probably going to look bad <laughs> on us too. Yeah. So it's uh, it's like Bill Clinton trying to accuse Hillary Clinton of going to Epstein Island. <laughs> well, you were there with me! <laughs> <laughs> but Horace is forced to suspend his uh, campaign efforts, unfortunately, though, because his wife's health is deteriorating. And he was a one-woman man. He was infatuated with his wife. She was also a feminist. They believed in some kind of crazy stuff, very vegetarian-type people. Mm-hmm. Um, committed to one another through and through. So that part's beautiful. And it's very, very sad here right now because she will sadly pass away a week before the election. So now a widower who is now being painted as a racist Southern supporting demagogue, (laughs) although supporting the cause of abolition his entire life in all of his paper, there are years, years, years of articles that completely debunk this idea that's being cultivated by the use of political cartoons because a lot of people in America can't read it this time. So you see an unflattering picture of somebody, that's kind of the same thing. So um, Horace now is considered to be one of the most hated men, not just in New York, but in the entire country. And that is a far cry from maybe just four years ago. There's a lot of people they talk about where they say, well, I don't understand why they ran for president. Their life was only going to get worse by running for president. Okay. i going to use, it's the elephant in the room. We're going to use the example in here. Um, Donald Trump was still getting invited to the Emmys before he ran and got into
1: politics, okay? (laughs) It's a weird, crazy world. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too, that you said about the cartoonists. uh, What went to my mind is, uh, you know, today we would have Photoshop, and you say, well, that can't be real. That's a a Photoshopped or a retouched photograph. Back in those days, you could just have some cartoonist sketch something out, and whether they ever met or not or whether they ever shook hands or not, I mean, you could just paint that picture or sketch that picture. And uh, that's the image that's going to sear into people's brains.
2: The death of journalism in America is when editors started to handle the headlines instead of the writers. So an an editor will say, well, here's the title of the article we're going to run. And it takes a pretty, what could be an excellent article. And then they put this ridiculous title on it to try to just draw in you know attention or whatever. And it takes away from the writer's work It takes away, it puts you in a position where like, well, I'm not reading this fucking bullshit, or I can't wait to read this. And then the article is nothing about it. But even simpler than that, you can tell which way an article is going to skew based off of whether or not it's a flattering or unflattering photo of the subject in the article. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to have a a picture of Joe Biden right now where he looks confused? You're like, oh, this is going to be bending to the right. You want to picture him where he looks like he's in control or something or, you know, uh, that's what's going to happen here. And that's exactly what's happening, but just with the political cartoons on this one. And unfortunately, it works out pretty good because uh, Horace is beaten soundly and Ulysses S. Grant is reelected. Now, I'll say this. Ulysses S. Grant is one of the most underrated presidents in American history. The more you read about the guy, the more you admire the guy. He did a lot of great things for this country. Potentially could have done a lot more too. But Horace certainly gets his reputation destroyed in the process of just trying to run for public office. So – Um, If you've ever thought you've had a bad few months, uh, this is how bad Horace has you beat. His reputation is ruined. He's now despised in his own city. His old party that he used to be the champion of was behind his demise. His wife just passed away. His own health is failing, and he just lost a presidential election, not to mention his own newspapers conspiring now to squeeze him out because he's become so undesirable in the city we're not going to be able to print papers soon because everyone's going to say, fuck Horace Greeley. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We have to save the Tribune by getting rid of the guy who created the Tribune. So he's having some of the absolute – oh, and did I mention? Here's how it gets a little bit worse. Um, how can it get worse, Kahuna? What do you think?
0: Uh, how many kids did he have?
2: Actually, I don't know that he had kids. He With the kids. It was um, It was all with the one wife.
0: So I'm I'm assuming he lost some kids.
2: That would be worse. Um second to worst is he himself dies.
0: Oh, so it just ends for this dude. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Yeah, good old uh He's on a downslide and Holy crap, that's pretty his much wife was beautiful. Kids worse. <laughs> yeah, she's a pretty times. lady, very pretty lady. But well, she's it, into neck beards
0: though. <laughs> I mean, what's up?
2: <laughs> Hang on, wait a minute. She, you look at her. Kahuna's right. You look at her, she's very pretty um and she's and a, then, a, then
0: you look at doc brown over here <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know what clara sees in this motherfucker well i'll tell you what because you look back at her and she's pretty right and um she's a vegetarian and she's into feminism she's a suffragette and then yeah and she's a suffragette, but she's a vegetarian uh she's uh, they're living in new york city he's got a weird neck beard this is the first hipster couple Oh, no. (laughs) Um, They are riding around on scooters together looking for disc golf to go play. That's probably what their dates were something like. Oh, my God. Did you guys want to go to the community garden after
0: this? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, my God. She also believed – just a side note. She believed her son, Arthur Greenlee, known as uh, Picky, was a spirit medium.
2: Oh, that's a big part of um, the spiritualism of the time, too. Yeah, spiritualism is is huge at this time frame. Uh, I mean, we're not too far from uh, Houdini showing up and just sitting there and uh, having to hold a, a magnifying glass and be like, you're full of the sheet, as you say. <laughs> My mother, she never speak with uh, the, the English. You are a bullshit. If you want to know more about that episode, go check out Houdini. That's one of our best. I believe that's on YouTube as well.
1: Wait a minute.
2: What do you got? The uh, Fox sisters? You know about them. Yeah.
1: That's, a, that's the ones.
2: Whoa, so.
0: hold up. Uh, Mary Greenlee hired Kate Fox, one of the sisters. To basically babysit. No shit. And she wrote in her own letters, she too strongly disliked Miss Greenley intensely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no
0: shit.
1: Oh, man.
2: Didn't we cover these guys? Well, the well, yes, Fox we sisters get that,
1: mentioned. That was uh, from the Mary Todd uh, episode that the Fox sisters were the ones that really- accredited with starting this whole spiritualism movement and it was a big hoax on their part they were cracking their toe The double jointed bitches ruining everybody's <laughs> yeah. life
0: oh my god that...
1: oh she she hired Kate
0: Fox to contact uh, one of her kids who had passed okay and she was just like yeah no she's she sucks <laughs> sorry I didn't mean to derail that I just thought no, that was that's so a, cool
2: that is cool actually That's another t- you actually found another loserception then that's beautiful Hey, you know, it'd be great if security could slam some more doors around here to make sure they work. It's very important to me. How many bouncers do we need in this place? It's a fucking mall, right? <laughs> Everything's closed by three o'clock. We're the only people in here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's the Bell Works, a shared Universe podcast studio where Mike and Ming take great care of us. Um, <laughs> nice segue. November guy. 29th, 1849 is when our poor bastard Horace Greeley dies. He's already lost his wife. Uh, it's very depressing. The election is now over and stuff too. Um, His request for a small funeral, that is his only request. He goes, I just want a small funeral. Don't make it a big to-do. And his daughters say, "Uh, no, you're Horace Greeley. You you own the New York Tribune. You ran for president. You were very important, man. We're throwing you a huge-ass funeral. Very extravagant affair. It's attended by many rivals, many admirers, and even the newly reelected President Ulysses S. Grant. That's how good of a guy Grant was. You, know, you want to run a smear campaign against me, blah, blah blah. I'm still showing up to your funeral. You're a good American. I'm trying to heal this country. We got to show that we're we're
1: bigger than politics. He was a big he was definitely influential i mean he was influential with uh, policy uh, back in the Lincoln administration and even before then and then uh you know he was very much instrumental with getting rid of johnson and ran against grant and you know he was still. A very much an influential guy. He wasn't a uh, a lobbyist by any stretch, but uh, <laughs> I mean, even Lincoln admitted that you know he he would like to keep Horace Greeley on his side because of the uh, opinion that he uh, the popular opinion that he really controls or tweaks or steers or whatever. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's huge, you know. And that, you always
0: have. You always want to have big media in
2: your corner.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you can, the machine
2: is effective. That's why it works. That's why it's sticking around for so long. The um, despite all the nastiness and the feelings of ill will towards Horace, though, what always happens when somebody dies? They're the biggest bastard on planet Earth, and then they die, and everyone says he was a saint. I'm just going to miss him. He was a saint. It wasn't all that bad. <laughs> There'll You're, never be another one. Like is, him. is this not the case? Oh, it's absolutely the case here. Um, so a guy who just a few months earlier when he was alive and could hear you um, <laughs> is getting every nasty thing possible thrown at him, literally being told his entire life is um, you know upside down compared to his beliefs and how he's being represented. Uh, and his death kind of proves to instantly lionize him. Historians will claim that short of Lincoln's death, Horace Greeley's death is actually the most impactful and mourned nationwide at the time. What? The entire country, north and south, says, "My God, Horace Greeley's dead. What are we going to do?" All right. There, there's very few deaths that have ever affected me, you know, profoundly or something like that. But I imagine the country is uh, going through something right now. We just lost Lincoln, all right, but we still had this big voice in Horace Greeley. Now he's gone too. So you're hearing these two giants of the time, if you will, and we're coming out of a civil war. I mean, this is unprecedented. It, the idea that we're still a country the, as Colin Quinn always says. I don't I don't get why we're fifty states. We should have broken up into city states a long time ago, like Greece. <laughs> right. We're still fifty states. The country grew after this. We fought ourselves, right? And we grew. It uh, at, at the end of the day, I will always love this country and just be happy to be here. You know, um, but it's pretty insane that this guy was uh, so hated in his own life and then immediately lionized. It's like he died and they just wiped away the cards of every bad thing they ever said about him. So Horace, again, the most impactful and mourned death nationwide of the time here, the neck bearded, once most hated man in America. How are you going to remember a guy like this? Well, he's got a couple of statues, a bunch of things named after him. He's got two statues of him in New York City. His paper, the New York Tribune, will live on into the 1960s. And uh, his legacy as a reformer will live on. He's being very fondly remembered in that regard. What do you got? <laughs> no, it's,
0: it's 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 bugging me out because I'm thinking about the circumstances of his death, and it like reminds me of like that with certain people. You just don't. I guess you really don't realize what they mean to you until they're gone. But like it, it I can't help but laugh because then I think about oh yeah, there's like a almost Batman Joker esque with him in the papers and everyone vilifying him, whereas Joker was distraught when he thought Batman was gone. <laughs> without, without Batman, crime has no punchline. <laughs> so I'm wondering if it's kind
2: of a similar situation here. How was... apropos of you to say that in Mike and Ming's studio. <laughs> oh, Mike would be proud. <laughs> he would, man. It's a... I'll say this too. Um, his legacy, like we said, as a reformer does live on. He's being more fondly remembered now. Now, he is a victim of – because there's a high school named after him in Chappaqua, New York. And they're trying to say like, oh, should we get rid of um, – should we change the name of the school? I don't think it's so. Like, but if you knew what the guy was actually about, you would right. never change the name of that school.
0: They Is that actually a thing that's happening right now?
2: There, was, there has there's, there's a couple of things you can see. Yeah, the debate is there. And by the way, stand up for – something i'll tell you what do your own research on something and figure out where you stand if you think that it's uh so an example i would have right now for everybody is uh there's statues that were very progressive for the time or things that were progressive for the time that are no longer progressive seeming okay so it, it's that that backwards thing where that they're canceling what used to be forward thinking um do your own research on stuff Read a little bit about it. Find out more. Uh You can hear a name like Horace Greeley, and you can look at a picture of this guy, and you'd be like, if someone just told you, "Oh, here's a racist old white man," you'd be like, "Yeah, look at this neck-bearded motherfucker. I can't stand him." Then you read about him, and you're like, "This guy was right. pretty great."
1: He was pushing Lincoln for emancipation before Lincoln really wanted to release that that whole thing. So I mean, oh he, yeah, he was. uh he was a, a forward thinker for sure. Lincoln
2: said, "Let's do a little bit of patchwork here." Horace Greeley goes, "Unleash the Kraken."
1: But if I they but, won. But if In I, I end, release it? a a cartoon of Horace Greeley that's not too flattering and saying, you "Now, this guy is a so and so. He's he's bad." And you know you know you don't know anything about him. You're gonna, gonna go with the the caption and uh, oh yeah, he's a bad dude. Look at him; he's it looks like a wackadoodle with that with that neck beard and stuff. And uh, you know some old some old white guy with a with a neck beard come on give me a break speaking of white guys
2: with beards and communists um <laughs> pretty interesting uh writer is hired on during uh Greeley's tenure over at the New York Tribune he hires this guy uh Karl Marx yeah yeah that one communist manifesto Karl Marx is a hired contributing writer for the New York Tribune so mm-hmm. he's a little bit all over the place man
1: yeah he was uh, he was definitely was not shy about putting out um, people's uh, writings, um, even if it wasn't accepted to the to the vast uh, mass media population kind of a thing. He was also about, you know, there was a guy. The paper uh, was a paper of ideas. Yeah, there was a, he, while he was uh, involved with the Tribune, uh, he published uh, Charles Dickens <laughs> under a pen name before he was known in the U.S., and later, two of uh, Dickens' novels were serialized in the Tribune. So that's where a lot of the U.S. really came to know Charles Dickens. Hang on. Are you about to tell me that Horace Greeley invented Christmas in America? <laughs> are we that well, close? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, all those uh, cartoons and stuff. Again, that was the, the whole image of Santa Claus was really c- came out of the Come in and know me better, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we already talked about Sam Clemens uh, was one of his staff writers. Why? And actually it was uh, Horace Greeley who sent them off to Europe and as a result uh, Mark Twain was really his first book Mark Twain's first book was uh, Innocence Abroad and that was because of some of the opportunities that he had because of Horace Greeley sending him as a foreign correspondent so
2: tie into uh last week's episode too McDowell the grave digging doctor we just covered uh definitely the inspiration for one of the characters in Tom Sawyer by the immortal right. Mark
1: Twain right right all these guys are living in the same time frame and then like the intermixing is not, uh, not that – It's Game of Thrones. Yeah. American history <laughs> really? is Game of
2: Thrones. It's like, oh, this is a point of view character, Teddy Roosevelt. He's very important. Yeah. Uh, now, there's a biographer by the last name of uh, Van Dusen uh, who's a biographer of uh, Horace Greeley. offers up a great, great quote about uh, our boy Neckbeard Horace. Um, More significant still was the service that Greeley performed as a result of his faith in his country and his countrymen his belief in infinite American progress. For all his faults and shortcomings, Greeley symbolized an America that, though often short-sighted and misled, was never suffocated by the wealth pouring from its farms and furnaces. For through his faith in the American future, a faith expressed in his ceaseless efforts to make the real promise of America, he inspired others with hope and confidence, making them feel that their dreams also had the substance of uh, (laughs) reality. reality, reality, that's my mistake. It's all good. Uh, it is his faith and theirs that has given him uh, his place in American history. In that faith, he still marches among us, scolding and benevolent, exhorting us to confidence and to victory in the great struggles of our own day. Yeah. This guy was a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How do you go from a farmhouse to a penthouse to a hero to a villain to a martyr to gone too soon? Um From an abolitionist to a a racist, Um,
1: it's Horace Greeley. Anything else you want to say about his life on the way out, Guy? No, I think that's pretty much covered. I mean, for me personally, this episode... Um, doing the research, it was an eye opener for me because Horace Greeley. I only knew that there was a Horace Greeley High School somewhere over in New York, and I'm thinking, well, he must have been an educator. Well, he, he was an educator of sorts, but yeah, was far, was far beyond, far beyond uh, you know your typical book learning uh, education. Um, he was uh, he was pretty uh, you know the, the Renaissance man, if you will, with all his forward thinking uh, isms. Pretty cool guy on that
2: one. Um, But I'll say this uh, real quickly. I want to say thank you so much to uh, you, the listeners. Uh, Also, big, big shout out to uh, our good folks over at the Founding Losers. Your end of the month uh, Patreon exclusive episode will be coming out next week. Very excited about that. I hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving. Very important to me that you do that. Mike and Ming, thank you for taking a great care of us over at Shared Universe Podcast Studio here at the Bellworks in Homedale, New Jersey. Um, I got a couple of things coming up. I want to say this. I'll I'll, I'll end on this one just to give you guys something to laugh at here. The American Loser this week – is really me because um, <laughs> let's say I played a comedy club this weekend, Ed. Mm-hmm. Let's say the late show Friday, there was a woman that wouldn't stop talking during the show.
1: Mm-hmm. Crowd control. Camp.
2: Let's say I told her to shut the fuck up. Okay. Because <laughs> she was ruining the show. And let's say she kept ruining the show after I corrected her a few times. And then she kept digging in deeper and deeper. And by the way, I'm very sorry, but it is always a woman. It just is. All right. Any comic will tell you that. And uh, the headliner I'm working with happens to be a female in this hypothetical that I'm talking about. And uh, let's say that uh, I finally realize that the woman's very drunk and I say, ma'am, I can hear that you're drunk. All I can hope for is that you're driving home tonight and that tomorrow I get to read in the paper about the fiery car wreck you died in.
0: Good lord, bro. (laughs) And let's say the crowd was loving
2: it and then the woman gets up and walks out of the show and they say – That's so-and-so's wife. And who is so-and-so, Kahuna? The the owner of the club. (laughs) Oops. I told the owner of a club, hypothetically, I hope she dies in a car accident. And I feel terrible about it. And I'll say this. The rest of the weekend was great. The hotel that we hypothetically stayed in was wonderful. The hypothetical envelope was full of all the hypothetical money they hypothetically promised me. And I had a good time and I will hope to be back. But I did tell a club owner's wife that I hope she dies. And uh, it was very unsettling to see um, in the green room all the photos of her all over the wall with the different celebrities that had come through. And I sat there and I said, I don't think she's going to take a picture with me after this week. You don't have to hang around after the show for photo op. It's the truth. I will be at the Dojo of Comedy uh, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Uh, Me and my buddy uh, – actually, I think it's an amalgamation show, but it's a couple of good people over there, man. Uh, Just support the dojo in general in Morris Plains, New Jersey. It's a good spot over there. I will be in Austin, Texas in January. Uh, me and my boy, Mike Cannon, we're going to raid the Capitol, folks, all right, of Texas, I, which is in Austin, I know. But anyway, uh, we're going to have a good time over there. That's the Creek in the Cave. Very excited about that one. And then I will be down in Splitters in Tampa, uh, President's Day weekend in February. Please come out to those shows if you can. Scream out American Loser if you want. I'll bring some merch down with me. We'll take pictures. I'll show you my dick. Whatever you guys want. Okay, I'll do anything. Um, Kahuna, Poor thank money. you so much for the uh, your time here, my friend.
1: Thank no you for doing problem. what you do. L.P., anything you want to say on the way out? No, just happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, Take time to uh, hug a family member and forgive and forget or whatever and uh, just enjoy the bird. Hey, your uncle's a racist conspiracy theorist, but
2: man, does he know how to make good turkey. There you go. (laughs) go. Guys, follow the show if you can at American Loser Podcast. I'm at K.P. Burke Sucks over on Instagram, K.P. Burke on Facebook. And that was Horace Greeley, American Loser.
1: An American Loser the day I was born loser the day I
0: was born That a merchant loser the day I was born